Why am I up here, right? What's going on? Uh, this is my, uh, well, I, Rick Sherman preached about six weeks ago or whatever, and he said it was on Kings, and there was a bit of a mix-up. And anytime the Kings come up, I'm in, because I love the Kings. Uh, this is my favorite part of Scripture, and it has, I feel, the most questions, the most questions about God, the most, maybe the most answers, too. Not quite sure. Uh, but we're going to look at uh, two kings, specifically Hezekiah and Manasseh. You can go to the next slide. Uh, one of the things that uh, I didn't plan on here, but uh, with uh, Carrie and Nate coming up, um, one of the reasons why I'm so interested in this part of Scripture is Manasseh. Manasseh is my favorite character in the whole Bible, uh, and hopefully I will portray why uh, in the future, or in, in this message. But um, one of the things that I have no idea uh, what the answer to is, uh, Hezekiah, and I want you to just think about this through the whole uh, message, I guess. Uh, Hezekiah was a very godly man. He uh, was essentially almost the best king of Israel. Uh, he was uh, almost better than David. He was such a good king. Uh, he reigned for about 35 years, and he really, a revival, uh, great things happened. Uh, and then his son, Manasseh, shows up, and he was the worst king, the worst king in Israel. And the question that I have for God when I get there is, why would you build something up just to tear it down Again, exactly like what you guys are going through. I don't know if they're over there or not, but Carrie and Nate are going through. You do all this work into something, you get it going, and then God, I hate even to say this, but doesn't even care if it keeps going. I think God is more interested in what we are doing uh, than really completing anything, I guess. I, I don't know. But you'll see that uh, uh, in this message. I guess I got some notes here. I better get out. Um, uh, first of all, I want to uh, set the stage, and I'll go back one. Uh, set the stage uh, here. Uh, this is what's fascinating in this. I was in high school or something, and I couldn't figure out who Israel and Judah was, uh, why they were two different ones, and so I'm going to explain it to you. Maybe you already know this. As a matter of fact, most of my uh, junior high students probably have already heard all this. You can nap if you want to. It's fine with me. You've already heard it. Um, but anyway, uh, we got Israel and Judah there, and it was a split kingdom, and the kingdom split because of Solomon and his many wives and all of his sins. So the kingdom splits, ten tribes go north, and two stay south, Judah and Benjamin. Uh, there's a line there that was pretty constant through the whole time period, um, and in this particular point, uh, Israel was done. Uh, it had been used up, all the prophets had been there, they've all left, uh, essentially, and the last king. Um, He's the last man standing, uh, and what he did uh, was uh, on the horizon over to the right of that map is there's a kingdom called Assyria, and they are on the move. We've all heard of Assyria. And uh, what Hosea did was he uh, allied with Syria and with a couple of other countries uh, in the north uh, to go against Assyria so they could defend themselves, uh, and this proved fruitless. But the one thing he did was, uh, or, or one thing he tried to do was get Ahaz involved too. Uh, Ahaz was the king in, at Judah at this time, and he was uh, Hezekiah's father. So Ahaz was an awful king, too. He had tried to, to do everything he could to save his kingdom. Uh, he, was a, uh, uh, he sacrificed his sons to uh, Baal and all that kind of stuff. And uh, the one thing that he did uh, in his, in his, uh, as he was king was he did not ally with, Assyria, or with, uh, with Israel and Syria because he knew that was a losing battle. Assyria was going to kill you. So what he did was he sent some people up to Assyria and said, well, how, can we be friends? 
is it okay if we're friends? And he sent him a bunch of gold and everything. And uh, that, of course, didn't happen. And uh, the quote, something is like, uh, Assyria came against him and afflicted him instead of strengthening him. So Assyria sent a few troops down and attacked, you know, did whatever and messed around with him. And, and uh, it was not good. So the, the, this is the, probably the darkest time of the land of Judah. Uh, Hezekiah comes to the throne, and he was king for uh, uh, four years, I believe, before Israel was wiped off the map. My goal for this is for you to get excited about the book of 2 Chronicles. Sorry. Whether you learn something or not, who knows. But I want you to get excited about this book because there, there is a list of about 18 men in this. All have their character flaws. Uh, all of them uh, uh, have a relationship with God that is just great, terrible, insignificant, fantastic. It's all kinds of stuff. And I think we could all learn just a ton. You learn all kinds of character flaws of rich people and kings. And some of them have, do things that we would never do. There's really no opportunity to sacrifice our children to Moloch today. So we don't have that problem. Right? We don't have that problem. Um, okay, quick to the next one. Kings is a uh, history, um, that, uh, and it, it, it's a different book than the book of Chronicles. Uh, Chronicles is my favorite book. Kings uh, is, is right along there with it. Um, and the purpose of the book of Kings is to show the necessity of believers uh, keeping God's covenant obligations before God and the history of those responsible for leading God's people in their stewardship of the divine economy. So essentially what all that means is it's much, much a history. How did we relate to God at that time? Okay? And when you read these two, uh, Hezekiah, Manasseh, Manasseh, and Chronicles, they are starkly different. There's a different point to both of them. Kings is a history, and we're going to kind of uh, zip through a little bit of this. Let's uh, check out uh, 2 Kings 18. If you turn there in your Bibles, I don't know what page it is. 2 Kings 18, I'm going to read verses 3 through 6. Now, this is Hezekiah, and he comes to the throne, and remember, uh, bad things are happening all around him. Kingdom's still there, but the people uh, just got done with a king that was horrible and, and whatever. Uh, well, yeah, okay. So it says in verse 3, And he did right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. He removed the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut the end that Moses had made. For until those days, the sons of Israel burned incense to it, and it was called Nehushtan. Can you even believe that made it all the way through David and Solomon? They're still burning incense to this stupid snake. Finally, he got rid of the snake. For he clung to the Lord. Uh, wait a minute. Verse 5. He trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that after him there was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor among those who were before him. For he clung to the Lord, he did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. He did, he did everything. Uh, he, he took care of the people. He uh, 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 was a fantastic king. But all those three verses, that's all you hear about that. Okay? So what did he do? Uh, verse 9. Now it came about in the fourth year of King Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of King Hosea in Israel, uh, the guy from Assyria came up about, uh, against Samaria and besieged it. And at the end of three years, they captured it. One of the things they did at that time, uh, when they took uh, the Assyrian, um, uh, the Assyrian uh, foreign policy was, uh, when you conquered a kingdom, you took half the population and you just sprayed them out over the rest of your kingdoms. All right? So if they took Illinois, he would take half the people out of Illinois and spread them to the rest of his territory. Okay? And then he would move people in to live in that area. 
So those people all married and whatever, uh, and essentially uh, not Israelites anymore or Jews. They became Samaritans. That's where the Samaritans came from, essentially. But it's kind of a great foreign policy because you kind of ruin the the, uh, national identity of the people. Uh, And then they're not as rebellious and all that kind of stuff. So that's what Assyria did. And you can see in stark contrast, the Babylonians didn't do that. Uh, They took Daniel and all those guys, and they kept them all together in, in a few small cities, and they could keep their national heritage, and that's... Obviously, God had some direction in that, but uh, it kept everybody together, and that was a good thing. Um, in verse, uh, oh, okay, so that was the first invasion, and that was uh, the invasion of the north. So uh, the first invasion of Judah came in the 12th year of Hezekiah, and essentially Hezekiah did, okay? Um, that's in uh, verse 15 and 16, uh, uh, chapter 18, verse 16, 15 and 16. And Hezekiah gave him all the silver which was found in the house of the Lord, and in the treasuries of the kings of the house. And at that time, Hezekiah cut off the gold from the doors of the temple and from the doorposts which Hezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria. So Assyria was on his way, and he thinks he needs a few more years uh, to get his kingdom together. And so he takes even the gold off the hinges of the doors. He's taken everything off, gives them to Assyria, and it actually works for about two more years. They didn't attack him. Um, and the very strange thing about this, and I'm going to have a lot of questions because I have no idea the answers to these, so I'm just going to give you these and you can figure them out and then tell me. Tell me the answer. Um, about uh, 15 years before, his dad did this, uh, strangely. Um, Asa tried this and was condemned. Oh, no, I'm sorry, it wasn't his dad. It was Asa. So King Asa was about uh, eight kings ago, and he was a good king, but this is what God said about it, and you've all heard this verse. Uh, He says, for the eyes of the Lord move to and fro through the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. You have acted foolish in this. Indeed, from now on, you shall surely have wars. So this is King Asa trying to save his kingdom as well. And he gave all the riches in the temple, gave them to a northern country that would attack uh, uh, Judah from the top. Israel, let me start over. Israel, Judah, and he gave the money to some people up here and they attacked and Israel kind of backed off. So he saved his kingdom, everything worked great, God didn't like it. So how Hezekiah got away with this, I have no idea, but he did. And you can imagine the answer is, I guess, it was God's plan. That's what God wanted. All right? So um, if you look at, uh, oh, so two years later, the second invasion comes, and Hezekiah wins this one. Now, the second invasion included the entire might of the Assyrian Empire, now, this is a big deal. This is one of those where uh, your borders, uh, you know, this was the Iraq war where we lined up on the uh, Saudi Arabia, you know, and we were ready to go in. This, these guys were ready to come in. They were going to siege uh, Jerusalem. They were going to take them. And, uh, Hezekiah uh, does an interesting thing. If you look at 1 Kings 19.1, um, This is what he did. And let me, let me step back one moment. Uh, this is what the king of Assyria said. He said, Who among all the gods of the lands have delivered their land from my hand that you think Jehovah would deliver Jerusalem from my hand? He was mocking them. Okay. So uh, it says, Second uh, Kings 19, it says, And when King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and entered the house of the Lord. In that verse, you can see the fear in his eyes. He is ready to panic. We, we got nothing here. And uh, we're gonna, what, he, what, he, what he did to set this all up, but he was, he was very fearful. And this is a king who was acting like a king. He was, um, he was afraid for his people, and the first thing he did was tear his clothes and head to the temple. That's what you want. 
And uh, it's, a, it's another odd thing. I talked to Chris about this the other day. Um, it seemed like David never wanted to take the throne. Remember that? There was always some reason why he didn't want to take the throne. Saul was strong or, or uh, uh, this person was in the way or Ishbosheth, Saul's son, was uh, king for three years after that. He, he would not take, hurt the Lord's anointed. And I always felt like, why don't you just kill him and take the throne? He didn't do that, right? That's what we all wanted. That make the story better. Uh, but it did. He didn't do it that way. He, he just waited, and finally he became king. And this is the same kind of thing, I think. Uh, Hezekiah is saying, I can't win this, and I am going to just let God deal with this. That's what you want. That's what you want. Um, this is, uh, I, I kind of related this to uh, uh, kind of, um, well, let me, let me forget that. Let me forget that. So in 2 Kings 19.14, or 19.4, it says something interesting. Uh, and this is something that I kind of learned uh, just in this study. It says, perhaps the Lord your God will hear all the words of Rabbishak. He's the guy who was mocking God. Whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to reproach the living God and will rebuke the words which the Lord your God heard. Therefore, offer a prayer for the that is left. So Hezekiah knew that everyone in Israel is not on my side. There's some here that are still probably worshiping Baal. But there's a remnant here, God. Are you going to save us? Are you going to save us? Uh, and the answer to that story is yes. And this is a, a, a fantastic story where um, all of the mighty men in the Assyrian army fall dead that night. Now, that's how you want to win a war, right? Isn't that how you want to win a war? And uh, the guy goes back and is, is killed by his own men or something like that. And so God saves the country. It's amazing. Okay, so you can see that this is all kind of a news report stu uh, stuck through here. This is what happened. This is what happened. Chronicles is going to show us why this stuff happened. Okay, so I'm going to go zip through two more things here. Uh, Hezekiah has a miraculous recovery, and this is a bizarre thing where Hezekiah uh, is told by Isaiah, I think it's Isaiah, you're going to die, get stuff ready. And, Isaiah, and, and it says, uh, you know, uh, Hezekiah rolls over and prays, I don't want to die. And God says, okay, I'll give you 15 more years. Yes. All right. So you might want to try that. I don't know. Uh, this is where the sun goes back on the, on the steps, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Very cool story. Um, and then uh, Hezekiah shows Babylon his wealth at the, at the end of this. And I'm not going to read through this either. But this is where um, Hezekiah, the end of his reign is, you know, everything's great. The, country, the country's in good working order. He's got an extension of life from God. And some folks from Babylon shows up. And he says, hey, let me show you what I got. And so he takes him through all of his warehouses and all of his money, you know, and all this stuff. Uh, I told Dan I was going to mention him today. So when I first met Dan Farney, he was the first farmer I had ever met. This, you, know, you guys are, half of you guys are farmers, but first farmer I ever met. And I asked him a question that I found out you don't ask farmers, and that is how much land do you have? Some of you know this. He said, no, 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 you don't ask that. That's like asking someone how much money they have. Oh. So you don't ask a farmer how much land they have. Write that down. If anybody's writing down, write that down. <laughs> it's crazy. So anyway, uh, that's exactly what Hezekiah did. He showed him how much land he's got. Look at all this money and everything. And then Isaiah comes to him and says, hey, what were you talking to the Babylonians about? You know, the Babylonians are the ones that took him, you know, at the end in, in about 80 years or so. Um, and he said, I'm oh, just showing everybody what's going on. And, and God says, you know, I don't think that was a good idea. So there was a lot of pride. And another thing, in Don's class, I was thinking of this. Uh, we talked about uh, where your riches are and all that kind of stuff. Um, did he really make all that money? 
Don't you think it was God that maybe gave it to him? He's a king. Things were prospering. And yet he was probably shooting his mouth off about all my riches and all this kind of stuff. So Hezekiah had problems too. He was not, 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 not a, a perfect man. Okay, let's go to Manasseh. I got to get going. So let me read about Manasseh here. And uh, I want to read uh, most of this. This is for chapter 21. And most of you guys probably haven't heard of Manasseh. But he was, uh, he was the longest reigning king. So if you take that to what I said at first, he was the most evil and longest reigning king. 55 years he lasted. Pretty cool, huh? I don't get God. I don't know. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Havispa. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the abominations whom the Lord dispossessed before the sons of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places which Hezekiah his father had destroyed, and he erected altars for Baal and made the ashram as Ahab, king of Israel, has done. Anytime you're invoked with Ahab, you're in big trouble. Um, And worshipped all the host of heaven, and he built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, In Jerusalem I will put my name. For he built altars for all the host of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he made his son... And in uh, Chronicles, it says sons, so I believe there was more than one, passed through the fire, practiced witchcraft, used divination, and dealt with mediums. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. Could you imagine you doing something provoking God to anger? This is the God who created everything. He provoked God to anger. Then he sent a carved image of the Asherah that he had made in the house which the Lord had said to David and his sons in this house in, my, in Jerusalem I have chosen from all my tribes. He actually set this thing inside the house of God. Inside. Um, and I will make, uh, verse 8, and I will make the feet of Israel wander anymore from the land. Let me go down to verse 9. But they did not listen to him. And Manasseh seduced them to do evil more than the nations who the Lord destroyed before the sons of Israel. The Lord spoke through his servants, the prophets, saying, Because Manasseh, king of Judah, has done these abominations, having done wickedly more than all the Amorites who were before him, and also made Judah sin with his idols, therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing such calamity on Jerusalem and Judah, that whoever hears of it, their ears will tingle. And I will stretch over Jerusalem the line of Samaria and the plummet of, uh, the, yeah, the plummet of the house of Ahab, and I will wipe Jerusalem as one wipes a dish, wiping it, and turning it upside down. That's what God said. You people are done. He, it just, my covenant's done with you. You're not listening. Uh, let's see, verse 14. And I will ban it of my inheritance and deliver them into the hand of their enemies, and they shall become as plunder and spoil to their enemies, because they have done evil in my sight. And I love this next thing. It's not comedy at all, but I think it's kind of interesting. Verse 16, it's like, I just told you everything that's going to happen. Oh, yeah, and get this. Moreover, Manasseh shed very much innocent blood until he had filled Jerusalem from one end to another. One end to another. He he killed so many people and had so much injustice. How did that last 55 years? Besides the sin which we made Judah sin in doing evil in the sight of the Lord. And Kings ends up with now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and all that he did and his sin which he committed. Are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the king of Judah? It doesn't mention anything else. That's it. He was buried in his, his castle. Um, that's Manasseh. Okay, next slide. 
forget what I got going up here. So the, the purpose of Kings uh, is to show the necessity uh, of believers keeping his covenant obligations before God and the history of those responsible for leading God, God's people and their stewardship of the divine economy. That's what it's all about. That's what the book's about. This book was written, oh, it says right here. This book is written uh, and taught orally in the schools. And so this is kind of like our history book. And this is what just the general population would know about all the kings. All right, this is kind of the, the most important stuff. Uh, just like we know George Washington and all those guys. So this is the background that everybody kind of would have known when they got to Chronicles. Next, next slide. But here's the rest of the story. If you think that you're going to put, you're going to read a rest of the story to a congregation, you'd be mistaken because there is no free ones on the web. I looked. Remember he used to do the rest of the story thing? Maybe you guys don't even know. He used to tell some story you didn't know what was going on, and then in the last, the last part he would tell you this was actually Abraham Lincoln when he was a child, and you didn't know until you got there. Oh, cool. That's very cool. None of them things are on the web, so sorry. But that's Paul Harvey. Anyway, so good the next one. And this is just an interesting thing that I thought this has nothing to do with the service. In times like these, it there's always been times like these. Don't you love that? I love that. Okay, next one. Uh, Chronicles was written to the returning Jews after, the Babylonia, after their stay in Babylon. So they were there 70 years. They come back, and they had been taught all the stuff in Kings. But uh, Ezra, they feel, uh, wrote it, and he wanted to produce some kind of sermon to show people that God was still on their side. Here's how God dealt with us in the past. He's still on our side. Next. That is an actual picture of Hezekiah. Did you guys know that? <laughs> we have actual footage of Hezekiah. The reason I put that up there is because he was 25 years old when he became king. 25 years old. And I want you all to turn to uh, I, uh, no, uh, uh, Second Chronicles. What is it here? Uh, 29. Second Chronicles 29. Ah, I knew it would be too long. And I guess I'm going to speed through some of this. But... He was a godly young man. We often think that maybe he was an old guy like David or something like that. But he was a young man when he became king, young, good-looking guy, standing in my house, I guess. Um, but I want to point out some things to you. In the book of Kings, there are four verses about the spiritual revival in Israel, or, or Judah at the time. In Chronicles, there are three chapters. It is more important. This is how he beat them. You might just think he had some kind of army or that he was a godly guy and he went into the thing and uh, into the temple and had Isaiah pray and it all just happened. That's not what happened. He, he actually followed through on all this stuff. I'm going to show you that. There are 66 verses on the invasion in the book of Kings. There's only 21 here. Yes, 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 Assyria was de defeated. We all know that. And the later things, the things about him dying and, and his pride, uh, there are 21 verses in Kings and only nine in Chronicles. What the point of Chronicles here, at least in this section, is how did this come about? How did we win? Here's how we won. Uh, in, in the first year, verse 29, uh, chapter 29, verse 3, in the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. I'm going to get my butt down there and open the temple and get things moving. Uh, he, he cleansed the temple. He worshipped, uh, 2 Chronicles 29, 20. Then King Hezekiah rose early and assembled the princes of the city and went up to the house of the Lord. In 29, uh, 27, then Hezekiah gave the order to offer the burnt offering on the altar. The purpose of a king in Israel is to set the tone. 
is to be not just a king. We've got plenty of kings. Kings are nice. Uh, but what we need is a shepherd. Now, he was not the spiritual leader of it, but he set the tone. And you can see it in Manasseh. He set the tone. The wrong tone. Hezekiah was there. Uh, let's see. Uh, then he tried to get the band back together. So if you read chapter 30, it goes through, and he sent people up to uh, Israel, uh, across the way, uh, across the Jordan Sea. He said, please come. We're going to celebrate the Passover. Some of them came. Some of them mocked him. He got the band back together. He got as many of the believers still, the remnant, back together. All right? We're still pumping with God. Um, they had the best Passover since David and Solomon. The people cleansed the country of Asherim. Uh, the invasion was thwarted, and, and then it goes uh, over his sin. Let's go to Manasseh. Oh, this is the, first, this is the next thing I want to uh, think. I, th I just thought this was kind of interesting. Uh, these are all the kings in Israel uh, past Solomon. And uh, here, Rehoboam did evil. That was Solomon's son. And then Abijah, there's kind of no comment on him. Asa was good and right. All right? Uh, Jehoshaphat, his son, uh, Asa's son, walked in the ways of his father Asa. They were good kings. Uh, and you can see where they were buried. I thought it was interesting. There's like a burial set here. Um, Jehoram walked in the ways of the kings of Israel. Not good. But he was buried in Jerusalem. Uh, but not with the other kings. Uh, Ahaziah walked in the ways of Ahab. We don't know where he was buried. Uh, Athaliah was actually a queen. She was Joash. You can go all the way down here, but you get to Hezekiah. Um, oh, Ahaz there, he's buried in Jerusalem, but not with the kings. Uh, but Hezekiah did what was right according to all his father David had done. The D word has been invoked. He was a king as good as David. And so was Josiah. Josiah was a great king. Uh, walked in the ways of his father David. And Hezekiah, it says, was buried in the upper section of the king. So apparently there was an upper and lower section. So, uh, so there you go. And then Manasseh was evil, and he buried him just in his own house. Okay? So let's go to uh, Manasseh. And with this, I'm almost done. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, uh, duplicates uh, kings, but there's something interesting that happens uh, that is added information. Okay? And so I want you to look at 2 Chronicles 33, and this is why I think he's such an intriguing man. Uh, verse 10. 33.10, it says, And the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they paid no attention. Remember, this is after he's sacrificing kids. There's blood running in the streets, uh, all that kind of stuff. Therefore, the Lord brought the commanders of the army of the king of Assyria against them. Remember, this wasn't even mentioned before. Um, it was Assyria and captured Manasseh with hooks and bound him. Let me use it. I took a look at uh, Alice Cooper. And, you know. Therefore the Lord brought the commanders of the army of the king of Assyria against him, and they captured Manasseh with hooks, bound him with bronze chains, and took him to Babylon. And when he was in distress, he entreated the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before God, before the Lord. Where's it at? Before the God of his fathers, before the God of his fathers. When he prayed to him, he was moved, he capitalized, God was moved by his entreaty and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that Jehovah was God. This is the most wicked man that ever was on the throne. Once again, what is God doing? It's craziness. And then he started acting like a king. Now after this, he built the, built the outer wall of the city of David on the west side. 
This is after this. This is after he did all that evil stuff. Even to the entrance of the fish gate, he did building projects. That's what kings do. He started acting like a king. He even encircled the opal with it and made it very high. Then he put his army commanders on all the fortified cities. That's what kings do. He also removed the foreign gods, an idol from the house of the Lord. He started becoming the spiritual, not the spiritual leader, but the, what was it, the, the um, whatever. He started to, to, to lead people in a spiritual way. Um, the shepherd, he's starting to be looking for. Um, of which the house of the Lord uh, Jerusalem, and he threw them outside the city. He then set up the altar to the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings and thank offerings on it, and he ordered Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. So he became a king after that. Isn't that just amazing? Now, it just blows my mind. Uh, if you get yourself into this guy's head, <laughs> the regret that he would have. Look at all that I've done. God changed this guy. It's just, I think, beyond fathom. It's, um, it's, it, I could not think of another guy this evil in Scripture that ever changed. One let me know, honestly. Um, I think he was probably almost the most evil man in Scripture, and God changed him. That makes you think maybe Osama bin Laden could have changed. Wasn't he Saul? Same guy, right? Uh, good, I got two more things to say, and I'm done. Uh, recently, I thought, this is kind of interesting, I've just got two, two things to say. Um, one is, uh, you guys know what's happening with, uh, what's his name, uh, Andrew Cuomo. Maybe you're not following it, but he's been uh, sexually harassing women. Don't they all? I don't know. But anyway, there was a big long report, 160-page report, and blah, blah, blah. And this hit me, I just read this like two days ago. Uh, this is kind of follow Peggy Noon, and she's in a Wall Street Journal. And uh, she has a, a line here. She said, many of the events described in the report occurred after the pandemic and ra had raised Andrew Cuomo's profile to that of public hero. He was on TV every day and people loved him. Politicians are never so dangerous as after a triumph. That is exactly what Hezekiah did. Exactly. He was after a triumph. He was a godly man. He was great. And then his pride got a hold of him. It's a tough thing because uh, I just retired, and when you retire, um, the day before you retire, you're at the height of your job. I knew more about it than ever, right? You're, you know something. I actually know something. I'll go through that. We all know something, and we are good at it. And when pride, it can kill you. It, it, can, it can eat you up. Something to think about. Um, with Manasseh, I guess I've already said it, um, Here's an, a very evil man, and the thing that I think is just amazing about him is that God listened to him. God listened to his prayer. We all know that it takes God to bring our hearts up to ask God for forgiveness. God was still interested in this guy. God can do anything. And forget about saving somebody. He can just do whatever he wants. He, he saves people. Uh, he can save the, the, the most disgusting person you can think of. So with all that, let me pray and uh, read Second Chronicles this week. All right. Uh, Father, we're grateful uh, for what you write in Scripture, for the um, attention uh, you give to detail, to uh, the stories, to the focus of books. I just uh, thank you for um, um, just, just your word. And I pray that uh, you help us with our pride, with our evilness, with our um, just whatever. Help us to be interested in your words so that we can know how to live. In Jesus' name, amen.